When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this ad for the Mobile One brand, I have 30 seconds to remind you about your first time driving. Remember the feeling, the freedom, how the world felt bigger and smaller at the same time? Because you were in the driver's seat. The truth is driving never changed. You did. You got a job, a phone, and then a phone that was also a computer with emails that could find you anywhere. And then you were trapped. But here's the good news. It's never too late to break free. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash radio to learn more. How to Have Success with Roses, an easy listening guide with me, Alan Titchmarsh. Hello and welcome to the first in a brand new Gardener's World magazine podcast series, exploring some of the key issues that incense and inspire gardeners. These are handy expert guides to some of the topics and techniques the team at Gardener's World are asked about time and time again. Cuttings, tomatoes, pests, 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 <laughs> blooming blight, composting, to name but a few. In this exclusive series, I'm going to talk about some of these big questions and share with you my practical, no-nonsense solution. I'll lead you, not down the garden path, but to a more successful, hopefully less stressful approach to tackling common garden woes and getting the garden of your dreams. I want to help you to have more time enjoying the fruits and flowers of your labours and less time actually labouring. What's in a name? That which we call a daffodil by any other name would smell as sweet. It doesn't really work, does it? It works with roses, though, and roses, as Shakespeare knew, occupy a special place in English hearts, in gardens, in literature, in perfumes and history. Iconic flowers, the symbols of the competing Tudor houses of York and Lancaster. Not many flowers have wars named after them. The rose is a native British plant. It grows in our hedgerows in the form of the dog rose and the sweet briar, but cross-pollinated with roses from foreign lands, places with exotic names like Persia. We end up with all kinds of bush and shrub roses, gloriously scented, variously coloured, that thrive in the UK because they love our climate. It's cool, it's temperate, and it has rain and sun with any luck in equal measure. I've always loved roses. I grew hybrid teas and floribundas as a teenager. Now my taste is more for the shrub roses, but I love the repeat flowers and the climbers and ramblers that clothe my house walls. A garden isn't a garden. 
without a rose. So many memories I have of being a teenager and ordering them by post or buying them in Woolworths in little polythene bags with a bit of compost around their roots, pruning them hard back and planting them in autumn and waiting for them to erupt in spring. They are such tolerant plants of ill treatment, of being cut hard back and dug up and moved, and still they thrive. A friend of mine always used to say that roses grow in spite of gardeners rather than because of them. In the bad old days when gardeners had an arsenal of chemical weapons that could have taken out a small country, Many gardeners would have a spray programme for their roses. Nowadays, we're much more environmentally friendly and a good thing too. We can also find roses which are disease resistant. They have leathery leaves. And for me, the secrets of success when choosing roses are a combination of factors. First of all, choose a colour you like. An obvious thing to say, I suppose. Choose roses that have a good scent. That's a big part of their appeal. And most importantly, I reckon, choose those which are disease resistant, which don't get mildew and black spot at the drop of a gardener's hat. If you've got a wall or a fence that you want clothing, there are climbers and ramblers that will cover them and train along wires or trellis. You've got to tie them in. They don't stick like Virginia creeper or ivy, so they will always need support. There are roses without thorns if you have children or pets that you don't want to get scratched. Look them out and you will find a rose for every eventuality in every garden. There are big monstrous climbers and ramblers that will go up into old fruit trees. So instead of chopping them down, use them as a plant support. Plant them in a mixed border, not just a rose bed. So the shrub roses that are taller can go nearer to the back. The lower growing patio roses nearer to the front, surrounded by annuals and bedding plants and herbaceous perennials. They become a vital part of any mixed border. When it comes to planting, all roses love decent soil. They don't like it thin, they don't like it dry. On dry earth, mildew and black spot are more of a problem. Roses under stress are the ones that become diseased. So loads of muck, manure or well-rotted garden compost dug in so it's almost like fruit cake when you're making the hole to plant it. Roses traditionally like heavy soil, which is probably why most of the rose nurseries tend to be in the Midlands and around Nottinghamshire where the soil's fairly heavy. They don't like thin earth, which gives rise to puny plants. So if you've got clay soil, roses will love you. When it comes to planting bare root roses, these are the roses that are dug up in early autumn, their roots shortened and their top growth cut right back. They then can be transported and packaged and sent all the way around the globe. They are so resistant to this form of treatment. And that's why many of us plant bare root rather than container-grown roses. Container-grown roses, you can plant at any time of year because they'll just take to the ground and start growing away as soon as they grow in. Beirut. In this ad for the Mobile One brand, I have 30 seconds to remind you about your first time driving. Remember the feeling, the freedom, how the world felt bigger and smaller at the same time? Because you were in the driver's seat. The truth is driving never changed. 
You did. You got a job, a phone, and then a phone that was also a computer with emails that could find you anywhere. And then you were trapped. But here's the good news. It's never too late to break free. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash radio to learn more. Roses are generally planted as soon as possible after being lifted in the autumn, any time between November and the turn of the year, but right the way through to the middle of March, if you have to. They will be quite happy, provided they're not kept too hot and dry out. So bare-root roses plant them between November and March, and they'll be fine. Don't plant them as we used to do, in beds solely devoted to roses, surrounded by grey and dusty earth. They are very happy to be accompanied by things like hardy geraniums, most border perennials, violas in particular, and pansies, that sort of thing, which isn't too competitive. That said, I have all kinds of plants growing around and among my roses. As long as you're kind to them, make sure they don't dry out too much, and that the ground is well enriched and that they're fed perhaps once or twice a year. A good helping of rose fertilizer in March or April and then another one in June, scattered around the bottom of the plant and lightly forked in. That will keep them growing right the way through the year. Getting the soil in good order before you plant roses is the recipe for success. Plenty of manure or plenty of garden compost so that it's really moisture-retentive and the plants don't dry out. If roses have been growing in the same bed for years and years and years, it is a good idea to rest it. There's something called rose replant disease. And if you're taking out one load of old roses that have been in a piece of ground for 30 or 40 years and putting new ones in, they sometimes resent it, probably because all the things a rose wants have been taken out of it by the previous generations that have been planted there. So try and find a fresh patch of earth for them. If you can't, then you can replace the soil or you can add to it with more organic matter, but it's a chance you take. It's a bit of ornamental horticulture crop rotation, if you like. When it comes to feeding and watering, roses have a really good root system that's capable of finding moisture once they're established. But in those early weeks and months of establishment, do make sure they don't dry out so you're giving them every chance to survive. Then in future years, They're not a plant, generally speaking, that you need to run to with a hosepipe. They can delve deep enough to find their own. But what they do like is a good mulch of well-rotted garden compost or manure in March and a good helping of rose fertiliser in April and again in June-July. When it comes to troubleshooting... Moisture is key here, you know. If plants do tend to get mildew and black spot, it's probably because they're under stress. And under stress generally means really running out of moisture. As I've said, rose roots grow quite deep. But if you've got climbers and ramblers alongside a house wall, that can be especially dry. The brickwork and stonework sucks moisture from the ground. So the way to keep them healthy is to make sure when you plant them, there's plenty of organic matter in there, but also that they're mulched in spring to seal in the moisture, especially near house walls. And those are the roses that I would occasionally visit with a hosepipe in prolonged dry spells, just to let that moisture get in there and combat the moisture sucked out by the walls.
When it comes to pests and diseases, green fly will always be there. But if you're an organic gardener and encourage ladybirds, lacewings, hoverflies and wasps, then they will help the battle with green fly. And a quick squirt with a hose pipe will often knock them off. The commonest diseases are mildew and black spot. Mildew is white and powdery. Black spot, as its name suggests, is black spots. They are both fungus diseases. They generally occur when plants are under stress and finding it difficult to grow. Dry ground is most frequently to blame. But also, they occur on thin-leaved plants. So when you choose them, remember as well as colour and scent, to ask about disease-resistant foliage. And many modern varieties are resistant to black spot and to mildew. The encouragement of beneficial insects by planting other flowers around your roses, will help to encourage this disease and pest resistance. The most important thing during summer with roses is to deadhead them. As soon as that first flush of flowers starts to fade, nip over the bushes with a pair of secateurs, snipping off the individual faded flowers, and then, once an entire collection of flowers at the end of one particular stem has finished blooming, cut off about nine inches to a foot of stem, back to just above a leaf. That will encourage a second flush of flowers, most likely, during the year. And it also makes sure that your plants stay looking good. It is amazing, you know, if you don't deadhead one bush and you deadhead the one next door to it, the difference between the two is the difference between a beautiful garden and one that, quite frankly, is beginning to look a bit tatty. You can find links to online resources on our podcast pages about all the topics of our tea break tutorials. These include gorgeous inspirational photos and plant guides to rose varieties, training ideas for containers, arches and arbours, and much more. My Titchmarsh's trade secret about having good-looking roses? Well, it would be the deadheading. I find it one of the most pleasurable occupations in the summer garden. It doesn't take long, and when you've been over the bush every three or four days, oh, your garden has this sense of renewal every single time. I reckon roses are essential to a garden, sumptuous, scented, multicoloured, and a myriad of subtle shapes and sizes, from tiny ground cover to towering shrubs, climbers and ramblers. They really are magnificent. I wouldn't have a garden without them. Follow this guide and hopefully next year your garden will be coming up roses. Till the next time, whatever the weather, enjoy your garden. You've been listening to Tea Break Tutorials with me, Alan Titchmarsh, produced by Lucy Ditchmont for BBC Gardeners World magazine. Music